0: Well good morning, it's a privilege to stand here in uh, Rick's place and as we meet our thoughts and prayers remain with many friends in Ukraine and many that we know in Russia. Today is the second day of Lent, a time set apart to become more fully alive to God, to be strengthened in what we know of him and to learn more and to follow Christ in deeper ways. Now when I was a student at college, I majored in extracurricular activities. Uh, For example, as an art student, I created silkscreen t-shirts for many of the intramural sports teams, and I worked with the drama department behind the scenes. I was not an actor, I helped in production, in set design, and in uh, costume design. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time at college. Now the account of Abram in the Old Testament could very well be dramatized and put into a theater production, a stage play. Through the history of Abram, later renamed Abraham, we learn a lot about the character of God. His word and action are actually acted out and dramatized for us. The story, if we were to look at it, the plot, is all about family. You see, God wanted a family for two reasons, to have a family to share his love with them and to have a family that would give birth to God's own very son, a son that would be both human and divine, a son to fulfill his great vision, to prepare a savior to give us salvation. I would see four major acts Today's Old Testament lesson from Genesis 15 would be Act 2 in the play. Sometime Rick will cover Act 1, Act 3, and Act 4, but in brief, Act 1 would be uh, written according to Genesis 12. There, God invites Abram to leave his family roots and promises that he will make Abram a great nation and he will inherit a land that God will show him. Jumping to Act 3, that would be written according to Genesis 17. Abram is now an old man. He's 99 years old, and his wife is 90. But God comes to them and says, At this time next year, you will have a son, and you will call him Isaac. And God changed Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many. Act 4 is found in Genesis 22 when God tests Abraham and tells him to take his son and offer him as a burnt sacrifice on a mountain that God would show him. This morning, our focus is on Act 2, as found in Genesis 15. It's a most unusual encounter with God. Some even say that it is strange or weird. Genesis 15 is not well known, but in the minds of some, it is the most significant passage in the Old Testament. And we're here this morning to find out why. Let me, first of all, though, apologize to any literature teachers that may go back to the passage as you have opportunity and dive in much deeper. So I see act two, our focus, being divided into three separate scenes. The first scene focuses on the dialogue. We'll look at the conversation between God and Abraham, Abram. The second scene focuses on the covenant. A look at the covenant or the contract-like agreement between God and Abram. And the third scene, is a look at the fire pot and the torch representing God and the significance for Abram and for us today. So we begin with scene one, the dialogue. And we're looking at the study of the conversations that are recorded between God and Abraham. Abram. If this was a dramatization, act two, scene one, would open with Abram and his fighting men recovering from battle and the voice of God is heard in a vision. You see, Abram's nephew, Lot, had been taken captive, and Lot's household goods had been stolen by warring kings. So Abram and his men went after them and rescued Lot and got all the goods back. So that's our opening scene. Now, understandably, Abram would have been afraid of retribution. Thus the word of God came to Abram in a vision. And God said, fear not, I am your shield. God said, I will protect you. Further, Abram had refused to accept any of the war booty. So God said to him, I will be your very great reward. I will provide for you and I will ultimately be your friend. Getting a shield and getting a reward was very comforting for the moment. But Abram was thinking too about the long term. He was remembering God's initial promise to him to give him land and to make him a great nation. So he said, O oh Lord God, I'm childless. You've given me no offspring. My heir will be a servant from Damascus. In other words, Abram was thinking, actually, What good is it? I'm an old man. What good is a shield and a reward when I have no future prospects? So God responded, no, Eliezer will not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And to illustrate the point, God brought Abram outside to look up to heaven and count the stars. Now I wonder, have you been up in the boundary waters or in a place where there's little or no artificial light? The stars are absolutely incredible on a clear night. And from the desert, what Abram saw would have been absolutely staggering. And God said, your offspring will number like the stars. And somehow, Abram knew enough about God to believe him. We have here a picture of faith, for by night or by day, the stars are still up there. And in a sense, also a prophetic words of stars is a light to the nations. And this is what Abram's family would ultimately be, a light to the nations. But God continued by reintroducing himself. He said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you from your homeland to give you this new land that I will give you. But with no son, Abram, understandably, was confused or weary weary about it. How could this be? He had been challenged to go to a new land. He had been promised that he would become a great nation. So he asked the question of God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now we notice as we look at the passage that God did not directly answer the question, how? but went on to give him strong reassurance, which brings us to our second scene in Act 2. And in the second scene, we focus on the covenant. We study the covenant between God and Abram. Scene two is the weird or the messy part, as some people have described it. It's all about a covenant. A covenant covenant is a biblical term. It predates the more modern contract that we might have with a lawyer. A covenant's focus really is all about relationship. It's an agreement that creates, defines, and gives mutual rights and obligations amongst its parties. In Abram's day, they had a culture of covenants. When God gave the instruction to bring the animals, Abram knew exactly what to do. You see, in old times, in Abram's day, they acted out covenants. When all was arranged, the parties involved, each would walk between the dead animals. Thus saying to each other and to any witnesses present, if I fail to fulfill this agreement, I'm dead. I'll be like these carcasses of the, these animals. If you fail, you're dead. That's the setting. And we even have the details of Abram driving away the birds of prey who tried to get an easy dinner. I wonder if these birds could be a picture of the forces that are against such covenants, forces that try to break relationships, to steal, negate, and break people apart. The elements of the covenant, the contracts, were ready. The sun was setting, and our translation says that a deep sleep, a dreadful and a great darkness fell on Abram but God continued to talk to Abram. So how does this work? Well, my commentaries explain that it wasn't sleep like crawling under the covers for a night's rest, but it was more like a trance-like state. Abram was awake, but somehow immobilized. He could see and hear and understand, but he could not move or respond. He was frozen, and you'll see why when we hear what God had to tell him and when he saw that God gave himself. God outlines the big picture. He tells the future of Abram's offspring, God's own family. God gave a prophetic description. He told how it all would fit together and how it would relate to Abram. God says your offspring will work as servants and slaves in Egypt, but God will bring judgment on the Egyptians when your offspring leave Egypt They will have great riches. Your family will inherit the land I'm giving them in the fourth generation. The land is not ready yet for your offspring to occupy, so we have to wait. But as for you, Abram, you, Abram, will die in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. At this point, our stage lights would be turned down as our passage tells us that the sun had set. It was dark for the ratification, the signing, so to speak, of the covenant. And that brings us to scene three, the signing. And here we study the fire pot and the torch representing God and the significance for Abram. Now just imagine, it's completely dark. Then out of nowhere come a smoking pot and a flaming torch. The Bible references tell us the appearance is like the fire of God as described in other passages. Abram would have known implicitly, implicitly that it was the presence of God himself. In the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch, we are told, passed between the animal carcasses. God himself... Signed. God gave Himself. He committed Himself to fulfill the promise. And He signed the covenant for Abram too. But while signing the covenant for Abram, and without actually saying anything, God was looking back to Abram's ancestor, Adam, and He was looking forward to the offspring of Abraham in the future and for us today and saw our failures, that we would not keep the covenant. So what was, Abra- what was God doing? But he was signing on behalf of all of humankind. God said, if I fail, I will die. If you fail, I will die. God was taking it upon himself for both sides. And as the firepot and torch were passing between the animals, Animal pieces. God relayed the essence of part A, you might say, of a covenant which is fully explained in other passages. And we know from the Bible, from history, that what God said became reality. His people did spend time in Egypt. They got the land, and they did become a great nation. So this morning, in the study of Genesis 15, act two of the story of Abraham, We've looked at the dialogue, the covenant, and the signing that took place. But what does this say to us today? What is the deeper meaning for us? I want to offer some takeaways for you to embrace and think about. God is the God of family. Abram was called to be the founder of God's family on earth. And as believers, as sons and daughters, we are part of Abram's extended family, of God's spiritual family. God is our father. Do we know him as father? God is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He reminded Abram who he was and his invitation to leave his home country. God assured him that he was a shield and reward, and he gave a prophetic word about the future. We today can trust God for our past, for our present needs and concerns, and for our onward journey with him. God is the God of the big picture and at the same time the God of the individual. God made it clear to Abram where he and his family fit in God's big plan, but he also spoke very clearly and tenderly to Abram about his own life. God knows where you and I fit in his perfect plan for the fulfillment of his kingdom. But we are not lost in the huge mass. God deals with us as individuals in unique and in thoughtful ways and in his ultimate love for each of us. And we are invited to know this God of the big picture and and as our own very personal savior and Lord. God is a God who speaks and listens. He initiates conversation. He initiated conversations with Abram and responded graciously to Abram's questions. And God invites us to dialogue with him Will we engage in the conversation. God is a God who honors and respects faith. Abram addressed God as, "'O Lord God.'" Abram came to know God as an adult. He had not known him for a long time, yet he lived what he knew and he believed God. We too today are invited to honor God with the respect that he is due and to trust him and to put our ultimate faith in him. God is a God of his word. There are a number of accounts in the Bible where God initiated covenants and God keeps his word and he actually died on the cross where we failed. He died on our behalf and he sent also his spirit to help us in our weakness and inability. In a world of broken promises, we are invited to trust God and to look to him for salvation and for help. Finally, God is the God of the great reward. He looked after Abram. He fulfilled his promises. He ultimately provided a savior through his family line to redeem brokenness and sin. The Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. He died in Jerusalem, rose again, and lives today. All of this could be summarized by noting that God himself is our great reward. In the letter of James, chapter 2, Abraham is called a friend of God. And I believe the greatest reward that we can have is to have God as a friend, as Abraham had. Amen.